0: Welcome to RBC's Markets in Motion podcast, recorded August 28, 2023. I'm Lori Calvasina, Head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclaimers. Three big things you need to know this week. First, historically, the U.S. equity market tends to have a weak start in presidential election years before rallying back ahead of the event, while trends tend to turn choppy again in the months around the event itself. 2024 could be very different given the unusual circumstances in the upcoming race, but the history is still worth a quick look back. Second, while last week's mega cap tech earnings were generally viewed as strong, it didn't change the fact that the large cap growth trade has tactical problems such as overvaluation and stretched positioning that need to be resolved. And third, developments in our high-frequency indicators were mixed for equities this past week, with improvements in earnings revision trends and individual investor sentiment, but continued deterioration in U.S. equity funds flows. Overall, we remain concerned that the breather in the U.S. equity market that's been underway hasn't fully played out, but also consider ourselves to be more neutral than bearish on stocks from here. If you'd like to hear more, here's another five minutes. While you're waiting, a quick reminder that you can subscribe to an audio-only version of this podcast on Apple and Spotify. Now the details. Let's start with takeaway number 1. It's time to revisit the historical playbook around US presidential elections. On the heels of the first Republican debate for the 2024 presidential, we took a quick look back at the historical playbook for the S&P 500 in previous election years. The election has been coming up more in our conversation with clients recently, but a clear consensus narrative hasn't emerged yet. We've published these charts in an effort to keep the conversation going and get more clarity on how investors are thinking about the event. For our part, we noted a few weeks back that presidential election years tend to be positive ones for the U.S. equity market, but are weaker on average than other years in the election cycle. This time, we looked back at daily trading in the S&P 500 throughout all of the presidential election years going back to 1932. Typically, the stock market has a rough start to those years, then stabilizes and rallies back heading into the event. Trends turn choppy in the months immediately before and after the election. These trends are all pretty much intact if we limit our analysis to the last few decades or election years that see a Republican or Democrat emerge as victorious. One difference that we do see is that stocks tend to do better after the election if a Republican wins than if a Democrat wins. Interestingly, the stock market generally followed the historical path we've outlined in each of the last two presidential election years when Trump won in 2016 and Biden won in 2020. Of course, 2024 will be unique given the four criminal cases underway for the former president, the current frontrunner for the Republican nomination in both polling and betting markets. While there's a lot of uncertainty about when these cases will actually go to trial, the current calendar suggests that their presence will loom large throughout the year. Moving on to takeaway number two, the big cap growth trade still looks tactically problematic despite its longer-term fundamental appeal. While big cap tech's widely anticipated earnings were generally viewed as strong last week, it didn't change the fact that the large cap growth trade has tactical problems that need resolution. For instance, growth valuations have only corrected modestly relative to value and remain well above their long-term average. Additionally, the weekly CFTC data for asset manager positioning and NASDAQ 100 futures continues to suggest that the large cap growth trade is overowned. Additionally, earnings revision trends continue to favor growth relative to value, but the gap between the two has started to narrow, suggesting that growth's dominance on the earnings front is starting to fade. And finally, flows to U.S. equity growth funds have also flipped from positive to negative, while value flows are still negative but stabilizing. To be clear, we continue to think growth stocks look appealing from a longer-term fundamental perspective. GDP is expected to be below trend in the next two years, an environment that tends to see growth outperform. But in the shorter term, the overvaluation and crowding problems in growth do need to be resolved. We'll wrap up with takeaway number three. What else jumped out from our high-frequency indicators last week? Developments in our high-frequency indicators were mixed these past couple weeks. A few things jumped out. First, earnings revisions for the S&P 500 have returned to positive territory in August. The rate of upward earnings revisions to the upside has moved back to 55% on a four-week average, a positive shift from July when that stat had slipped slightly below the 50% mark, indicating mostly downward revisions were in place. Second, individual investor sentiment has gotten less bullish. Net bulls in the AAII survey fell in the last update to minus 3.6% in the weekly print and 12.3% on the four-week average. Earlier this summer, net bulls hit one standard deviation above their long-term average, a level that tends to be followed by weak 12-month forward equity market returns. This tends to signal that optimism on stocks has gotten too extreme. While we aren't back to the deeply bearish levels that highlighted a contrarian opportunity to buy stocks at the start of the year and post-SVB, it's definitely a step in the right direction. Third, GDP forecasts are no longer baking in negative GDP on a quarter-over-quarter basis in 2023. The emerging idea that the U.S. won't see a single quarter of negative GDP growth this year has helped support S&P 500 pricing, but it's equally important that expectations regarding 2024 GDP growth aren't ramping up, which also helps explain why stocks have started to stall. And finally, U.S. equity funds flows continue to weaken. Flows to U.S. equity funds tracked by EPFR had shifted into negative territory on a four-week average in our latest update, while flows to U.S. bond funds remained steady global equity funds have also deteriorated. As noted earlier, U.S. outflows have been driven by outflows from growth funds. Overall, we remain concerned that the breather in the U.S. equity market that's been underway hasn't fully played out just yet. But we also consider ourselves to be more neutral than bearish on stocks from here. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to reach out to your RBC representative with any questions.